the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Alright, now come with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Let's read it together. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their... For if they fall, one would lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? He said, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm beginning a new series on building strong and healthy relationships. 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 There are three foundational thoughts I want to start the teaching with. And that is the fact that God is a God of relationships. Somebody say, we serve a God of relationships. You have to understand that we serve a God of relationships. God is a spirit. But God, who is spirit, relates with us. We serve a God of relationships. The Bible says in Genesis, he's the self-existing one. God exists as three in one. Why three in one? So he can relate with himself. The Bible says in the beginning, Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. God made us in his image and after his likeness. And he said, let them have dominion. God made man in his image and likeness. Let them have dominion. The key word is let us. Somebody say let us. When you learn to work with others, you are able to achieve far more than you can achieve by yourself. When I talk about relationship, I'm talking about all kinds of relationships. I'm not just talking about marital relationship, though I will be zeroing in more on that because that's a very critical area. But I want you to appreciate that we serve a God of relationships. If you see someone who says he's a Christian and keeps on breaking relationships, destroying relationships, uh, you have to be very careful about him. He may be saved, but his understanding and knowledge about God may not be strong. Are you with me here? One of the things I realize is that it proves and it points to how matured a man is, a woman is, largely has to do with the ability to contain relationships. 
Mature people are able to deal with a lot of things when it comes to relationships. So God is a God of relationships. God relates with himself and God relates with man. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 to 10. And the Bible says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the cool of the day. Doing what? And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But God called out to them. While they were running away. Are you not excited? You have a God who can be calling on you even when you are running away. Now, I'm also praying that you also become a gracious person like that. It's always easy to receive grace, but it's very difficult for people to extend grace. One of the authentic proofs that you are a beneficiary of grace is how you extend grace to others. God related with himself and God related with man. God related with man. He came down. And by the way, God relating with man really, really, really means a lot because God is far above there. He's that high there. And then he comes to man's level and begins to relate with man. The only key thing we are told is that God made man after his likeness in his image. So there was something in man that could connect with God. And that has to do with man's spirit. Alright, so relationships are the foundation of everything. One, we serve a God of relationship. Two, relationships matter a great deal to God. Somebody say, relationships matter a great deal to God. Yeah, the whole Bible is a book about relationships. The relationship between God and man, relationships among people, relationship among siblings. You cannot read your Bible very well and not see that the Bible is a book about relationships. Relationships all through from the beginning to the end. The Bible says a lot about relationships. Relationships matter a great deal to God. And we see that right from the Old Testament, God gave ten commandments. Somebody say ten commandments. Now the ten commandments were ten. There were ten commandments, but they were not the only commandment. In fact, scholars believe that it's not just scholars. When you read your Bible very closely, Leviticus and all the others put together, you realize that there are in all about 613 or 612 commandments in all. But these ten were God's top ten. Somebody say God's top ten. One day I'll do a teaching series on the ten commandments. Ten commandments in the light of grace. Ten commandments in the light of grace. The Bible says, God gave this ten commandment, and this commandment can be divided into two broad groups. One is the first four and the last six. Somebody say the first four and the last six. Now, the first four, let's quickly read the first four. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 to 5. Exodus 23 to 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath. You shall not bow down to them. This is a follow-up. Alright? So, one, two. It, it tells you shall have no other gods. You shall make no image. Verse 7 and 8. You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. Who takes his name in vain? Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Praise the Lord. Those were the first four. Somebody say the first four. Now, these first four 
have to do with our relationship with God. Somebody say, my relationship with God. Say, my relationship with God. Alright, so if you are able to observe these things, you could come into a relationship with God. Every time Israel had a, a challenge with God, it had to do with these four areas. Either they were putting some other gods before God, either they were erecting images, or they were not mindful of the Sabbath, or they were using the name of God in vain. Then we have the last six. Somebody say the last six. The last says has to do with our relationship with man. Somebody say my relationship with man. Okay, verse 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may belong upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you first. That's number one. Number two, you shall not murder. Number three, you shall not commit adultery. Number four, you shall not steal. Number five, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number six, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, or his female servant, nor his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. You see, everything that the Ten Commandments prohibited us from doing, the law of love under the New Testament prohibits us from doing. That's why when we come into the New Testament, we are not given too many of these laws. We are given one principal one. And when we are able to keep that, the Bible says a love is the fulfillment of the law. Once we begin to walk in love and understand the work of love, we fulfill the law automatically without intending to. That's why love is the most powerful. In fact, the whole fruit of the spirit is love. I like it when the Bible says the fruit of the spirit is love. Somebody say the fruit of the spirit is he didn't say the fruits of the spirit. No, he talked about many things. But he begins by saying the fruit of the spirit is love. In love, all the others find expression. In love, humility finds expression. In love, joy finds expression. In love, forgiveness finds expression. In love, honor finds expression. Love is a fulfillment of the law. So we see that relationships matter to God. Somebody say relationships matter to God. God made man after his image and related with man. God established after man fell and in his attempt to restore him unto himself, he established a law just for man to be able to relate with him and relate with his neighbor. And this law also consisted of two principal relationships, relationship with God and relationship with man. Look again, when Jesus was on earth, you know, when Jesus came, he ministered under the law. He came, he said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He ministered under the law. One, Jesus was born under the law. And two, Jesus ministered under the law. That's why the real New Testament actually starts after Jesus resurrected from the dead. But some of the things he taught were to set a stage or set a foundation for what was to come. But the main aspect of the New Testament began after he resurrected from the dead. Look at Matthew 22, verse 35 to 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So this question was to Jesus, and it has to do with the law. That in the law, which one is the greatest commandment? And let's listen to Jesus talking about relationship again. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor 
Asio, Asio, Asio. Then he says, on these two hang all the law and the prophet. This is what he's saying. He's saying that all the things that the prophet spoke about, all the things that the law spoke about, you know, they can be divided or summarized into these two things. In other words, all the prophecies of Isaiah, prophecies of Daniel, prophecies of all the other prophets, they were pointing to one thing, loving your neighbor and loving God. That was the same thing from the very beginning. The same thing that happened under the law is also happening again. Now, Jesus also made sure that he gave priority to relationships. In fact, in the mouth of Jesus, relationship was to be taken care of before sacrifice or worship. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice. Somebody say, leave your sacrifice. Somebody say, don't take the sacrifice. He said, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In other words, sort out your human relations before you come to me. Sort out the challenge with your wife. Sort out the challenge with your colleagues at work. Sort out the challenge with your friends. Sort out that challenge before we talk. Am I communicating here? It's always important. Let me tell you something. Your greatest test in life will be in the test of relationship. Your greatest test in life, your greatest test in life will always come to you in relationships. That's where your greatest test will come. And it's so unfortunate that in our preparation for life and for marriage, most of the time, people don't prepare their hearts as far as these aspects are concerned. Relationships are foundational and critical. In the book of John, John the Beloved said, If a man say, I love God, but he hated his brother. <laughs> if a man say, somebody say, if a man say. So saying that I love God is not something that is done only in our times. It was something that was done in those days. People could just uh, speak it by heart. I love God. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm a Christian and all of that. They could say it easily. But John says, if a man says that I love God and he has issues getting along with his fellow believer, he has issues getting along with a brother, then you have to know that that person had not seen God. Can you imagine that? It's not that he doesn't love God. He has not seen him to love him. <laughs> if a man say, he said he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he had seen. How can he love God whom he had seen? In other words, when our relationship with God is on track, our relationship with people will be healthy. It's a very strong statement, but it takes some of you a lot of uh, many months, many years to be able to come to an understanding. If your relationship with God is healthy, your relationship with people will be healthy. Amen? If your relationship now imagine, look at the many kinds of people there are in the world. All kinds of characters, Pastor James. God is able to deal with all of them. All of them. Now, if you can learn such a God well, you think you can deal with the various characters in your life well. How many characters are in your life? One can turn cross wife you married. That is the principal decision, and you are having challenges handling accommodating. 
<laughs> Please take your seats. Am I communicating here? Master this, and you have mastered life. Uh, one of our greatest witnesses as Christians, one of our greatest witnesses is the quality of our relationships. Somebody say quality of our relationships. Yeah. One of our greatest, Jesus, Omar, John chapter 13, verse 35, he said, by this all men will know you are my disciples indeed, because you have love one for another. One of our greatest witnesses. That's one, one, one important, the quality of our relationship with one another. And number three, God's word provides us with the necessary tools to build strong and healthy relationships. I love the word of God because in the word of God, we see the nature of God. In the word of God, we see God's expectations of us. In the word of God, we see the tools God has made available for us to do the things he expects us to do. You see, you are dealing with the taskmaster. When he gives you a job to do and fails to give you the tools, you need to do it. That's what Egypt did unto the Israelites. After Moses came to them and told them, listen, it's about time you let my people go so they go serve me. Then Pharaoh got angry. He said, these people are lazy because you are giving them the tools they need to work. That's why they are misbehaving. Now, you are not going to give them tools, but they are still going to achieve all the targets that they need to achieve. That was a tough one. And that's why they went to Moses and said, Moses, listen, before you came, claiming that you have been sent by God to deliver us, our matter was okay. But since you came, things have been complicated. You see, in the dealings of God, sometimes the darkest part of the night is always before the dawn. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I see your joy coming to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, please understand the sermon title or the series title is Building Strong and Healthy Relationships. Somebody say building. Say building. So what we are saying is something you intentionally do. You don't build accidentally. You don't build without planning. You build intentionally. Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 14 verse 28. He said, which of you intending to build a tower? There's a lot of intention. There's a lot of strategic planning that goes into building. Any building that is built without a plan has no future. Any building that is built without qualitative or the structural things being done is not a building that can stand the test of time. The Mecom disaster we had a couple of years ago was because it happened because the structures were not properly supervised. The people who worked on it were not experts. So if you are going to build and build a strong, you have to be intentional about it. So I'm not talking about somebody just dashing you a marriage that is working, somebody dashing you a relationship that is so sweet. If you see any marriage that is working, somebody is working hard at it. Somebody is working hard at it. It's not going easy on someone. There are many things we need to know and do in order to build strong and healthy relationships. And the place we go to for such things is the word of God. Sometimes, one of the things that pains and hurts me most is when you are dealing with a marriage situation and you are telling someone this is what the word of God says and they tell you, I don't care about what the word is saying. This is what I want to do. That is the point where you begin to know whether you are dealing with a Christian or somebody else. 
You see, the Christian is not the church person. The Christian is the one in whose life Christ rules. And if Christ rules in your life, his word will be supreme in your life. Am I communicating here? Yeah. When we say Jesus is my Lord, it means a lot too. It means you don't have a will by yourself. You don't do what you want to do. You do what he wants to do. Oh, pastor, what if I'm not comfortable? Well, he didn't call you to a life of comfort. He called you to a life of obedience and compliance. Am I communicating here? This thing called comfort has destroyed a lot of Christians today. We live and we are comfortable and God is not pleased. Paul said, if I yet please men, I shall not be called the servant of God. Please take your seat. If you are going to be a Christian, it will be tough on your skin. Can I tell you something? It will be tough on your skin. You can't just have things going. No, 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 no. That kind of thing is fake. We have joy in the Holy Ghost, but we endure some afflictions in our flesh. And you have to know how to relate to both worlds. It's very, very important. Okay, so there are many things we need to know and do in order to build strong and healthy relationships. That's what I talked about. Okay? One of such things, which is very, very critical in all my years of pastoring, I've seen that it has bedeviled relationships. Relationships, whether church member, church member relationship, church member, pastor relationship, husband, wife relationship, leader and associate relationship has bedeviled almost all of all people in all across is resolution of conflict. Somebody say conflict. Conflict. And so I will be zeroing in on how to resolve conflict in relationships. You see, a healthy relationship is not the one devoid of conflict. A healthy relationship is the one in which conflict is resolved in a scriptural way. That's a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship is not the one devoid of conflict. When I meet people and they are dating and they are all full of smiles, I see the fakeness, I see the lies, I see the deceit beneath the veneer. Yeah, because if you are real, uh, you ruffle feathers. If you are really real, you, you, it is not natural to all the time go. He who is without sin, let him first cast the first stone. It's not possible. It's not what? Yeah. In fact, I mean, when I was actually dating, one of the things I deliberately did was to provoke. I can deliberately provoke you. Yeah, I, I won't advise you to do it. Because... If you don't know what you are dealing with, maybe sometimes if you provoke what you will see, maybe the, the end of it. But listen, even in modern times, sometimes when you go for some high-stake interviews, the panel can provoke you. And sometimes people fail just at that. They, they can ask a question and the target, the focus of it is to provoke you, get you to see how you react under pressure. Under pressure, the people are under pressure. Yeah. And when you put people under pressure, usually they are self-manifest. You as a believer, when you are put under pressure, you, you must come to a place where yourself is so crucified on the cross that when you are pressed, what will come out is Christ. Am I communicating? That's a Christian. That's a Christian. That is a man who can return hate with love. If all you know is to how to give it back to people in their coin. You do me, I do you. Don't marry. 
Because you will never be happy. Am I communicating here? You will never, it's not a case, you will never be happy. You will never be happy in your marriage. I'll be making some wild, wild statements in this series. And I pray that God will give you the humility to accept and to work with it. Some of them, you will not understand them. And don't worry about understanding them. Later on, the Holy Ghost will help you. You see, a lot of relationships fail because we are carnal and fleshy. We are carnal and what? We are carnal and fleshy. Why are you marrying? She's a fine girl. Her bottles. That's all. Why are you marrying? I am of age. Why are you marrying? Well, a man of my timber and caliber, at this stage of my life, I must have somebody in my life. So, one, the why and the who is wrong. I'm telling you, the whole thing will be wrong. When the why and the who. And usually when people are kind of, those two things will be influenced. The who and the why. Why you are marrying is for sex, 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 sex. You will soon discover that there are other things that make sex exciting. And when those things are not there, even sex, you won't desire it. No matter how sexually active and alive you are, if you are a disrespectful woman, your husband will not even desire you. By the time you realize your husband is sleeping with a, a house help who looks so dirty and yet so cause a man oga 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 oga. Am I communicating here? There are things that are more important than any other thing. <laughs> that is what spirituality helps you to go after. These days, the ladies are doing all kinds of things. Liposuction, uh, tummy tuck. Today, I was, I was just hearing some things. <laughs> if there's a liposuction to be done, do it on your spirit. Do it on your spirit. Do it on your spirit. The fatness of carnality on your spirit. Sashing it away. Because that's where the real problem is. That's what the real problem is. That's what the real problem is. All right. Now come with me to Genesis chapter 13, verse 5 to 12. We'll be reading a lot because in this first teaching, we'll be setting some fundamental principles, and I'll just uh, speak on them, touch on them a few times. Lot, who was traveling with Abraham, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, heads of cattle, and many tents. Association matters. Somebody say association matters. Say association matters. Yeah, there's a certain association when you begin to keep your relationships begin to fall apart. Amen? Yeah. Certain relationships. You don't, you don't value certain relationships. You don't honor certain relationships again. Yeah. There are certain, I tell you, there is a friend who can come into your life. When your pastor calls you, you will not pick again. Because after working with him for two months, what he will tell you about pastors will let you see your pastor with a new revelation. Am I communicating here? Yeah. And they will destroy you within a short span of time. Please take your seat. Lord, who was with him, also had become wealthy and had a lot. Verse 6. Verse 6. But the land could not support both 
Abraham and Lot with all their flocks and heads living so close together. Now follow this reading. So dispute broke out between the headsmen of Abraham at the time. Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Somebody said disputes. Okay. Finally, Abraham said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us and our headsmen. After all, we are close. We are close. We are close. We are close. They were not distant people. They were close relatives. And conflict broke out. Look at verse 9. The whole country is open to you. Take your choice. Now, as we go through this, you will see the actions of spiritual people in dealing with conflict. I'm not getting into it, but I, I have to also speak into it. Spiritual people. Spiritual people. That is why I believe, I am of a firm conviction that when our spiritual relationship with God is true and authentic, human relationship shouldn't be a problem. Are you with me here? Yeah. yeah. Human relationship. You know, <laughs> when you lead people, you will suffer some things. Sometimes it's better to leave animals than to lead people. Because if you lead people and you don't have a heart that is always letting go, you will die before your time. Because human beings are human beings. <laughs> human beings will always be human beings. Falling, spirit filled, but there are still natural human tendencies that will show up. And if you don't grow spiritually and rise above it, <laughs> there are some of you, you think your problem is your wife or your husband. Let me bring you an angel from heaven. Don't deal with the underlying issues that you need to deal with. You still have problems. That's why the antidote to marital problem is not change of wives necessarily. There are times where occasions where sometimes some people have succeeded, by and large, 70 to 75% of people who divorce and remarry, they divorce and remarry again. We don't have the statistics in Africa, so Africa is not a, this uh, because Africans will live by faith, not by statistics. <laughs> but in the West, in the West, whoo, people are coming out as they are entering. It's just like uh, changing buses or changing clothes. And you see, the principal reason why some of these things, there are other things that cause it. But one main cause of it is their inability to resolve conflict. 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 The inability to resolve conflict. You see, there are people who can hurt you today. Tomorrow, God will use them to bless you. That's why I'm teaching you about the importance of learning to handle relationships strategically. When my elder brother came here sometime back to preach, he made a statement, it stuck with me. I have always had that conviction, but the day he put the statement, he said he never put any relationship of complete. He puts it in a dormant position. How many of you remember that? It goes into a latent or dormancy, a state of dormancy. And that is the approach of a spiritual person. That's the approach of a gracious person. Do you know that God's relationship with unbelievers is in a latent position? <laughs> All unbelievers, their relationship with God is, God has, on God's, you know, you cannot put a relationship on a latent position unless you make a choice to do so. And if you are hurt and wounded, 
you will not want to have anything ever to do with the person. So you can put the relationship in a latent position. You will delete it. Praise the Lord. God has forgiven man before man responds. Am I communicating here? Now, I'll be showing you as we go along how the steps God took when he had problems. You know, the first conflict in man uh, that happened did not happen on earth. It happened in heaven. And I'll be getting into it shortly. And when God needed to resolve the conflict, there were steps God took to resolve the conflict. I bet you any day, any time, when we take the same steps, every conflict can be resolved. And you can't take those steps until you are a very spiritual person, until your flesh is dead, until you are not looking for your own right, but the rights of the righteousness of Christ, until you are not looking for your own glory, but the glory of God. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Look at that. He said, let's not allow this conflict. We are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want and we'll separate. And if you want the land to the left, then I will take the land on the right. And if you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zohar. The whole area was well watered. Everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Let Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flock and servants and parted company with his uncle Abraham. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan. This was how Abraham owned the land of Canaan. And later on, he told his people that the Lord is bringing you into a good land. This was a good land Lot was abandoning. Lord looked, he chose by sight. And let me tell you, if you choose by sight, you will have to live by sight. And you'll be frustrated living by sight. He looked at the place. At the time, the place was beautiful. Beautiful. The whole place was green. And sometimes when we are starting relationships, it looks all green. It looks all green. It looks all beautiful. And that's why I think that people don't take time to really work on ourselves. So that when the other side that is not green comes, we are better able to deal with it. I believe that if people took time to prepare themselves for marriage, as much as we prepare for our careers, we will be more successful in our relationships. But we don't prepare. The intensity of our preparation goes into the wedding. But not much preparation into your spirit. Listen, marriage is not just a natural union. It's also a spiritual union. The Bible says, I speak concerning you and Christ. It's, it's a mystery union that typifies our relationship with Christ. And if you are not spiritual, you have no business getting into it. As for a Christian, if you must have successful marriage, successful marriage, successful marriage. And by the way, the word success needs to even be interpreted again and again. If you are going to succeed, what does it mean for a Christian to succeed in his home? Success in your home as a Christian is when your home honors God. Am I communicating? Not when you are necessarily comfortable. When it honors God. If God is honored in your home. And by the way, the truth of the matter is that if genuinely you are honoring God in your home, you'll be comfortable. But when comfort becomes your goal, you'll miss it. But when God's honor becomes your number one goal, you will be comfortable. 
you'll be comfortable. And in all relationships, if the goal is to honor Christ, you'll be comfortable. Haven't you seen that when you meet somebody whom you have harbored some things against, sometimes it won't be tossed. Those of you who are very good at it. Yeah. And the person is walking about and he doesn't even know what you're going through. But only you know what you're going through. But when you deal with people and you have a free heart towards them, when you meet them, you are light. There are certain sicknesses you can't even get when you walk in love. Am I communicating here? There are certain sicknesses you won't get. I took Annabelle somewhere and somebody said, you wanted to test me. I said, test me for what? What you are saying, I cannot have it. Yeah. Because the physiology matters a lot. What, what is going on in your physiological system? I mean, is that not the foundation of medicine? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something. Every promise of God, he says his commandments are not grievous. Somebody say his commandments are not grievous. When we learn to honor God's commands, it goes in our own interest. It goes in our own interest. This man chose and Abraham allowed it. Why is it that there is no peace? Because the, you see, conflict comes when there is competing interest. My wife wants this. I want that. When conflict comes, when we have ideas, we hold strongly to and we are not ready to let go for anything. Conflict comes when our values are different. That's why the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers because it's the foundation of conflict. Why are you going to start a marriage and you are starting on the note of conflict? You fight forever. Why? Because you are marrying the wrong guy. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Pastor, what are you saying? My heart has gone into it. Take your heart from it. Yeah, it's dangerous for a Christian to marry an unbeliever. Oh, but even the Christians, listen, that is, a, that is carnality speaking. No matter how carnal a Christian is, an unbeliever cannot be compared to a Christian. They are two different entities. They are two different entities. They may manifest and behave in similar manners, but they are two different beings altogether. They are two different beings. The American heritage of English defines conflict as a state of disagreement, disharmony between persons, ideas, or interests. Somebody say persons, ideas, or interests. The Bible says, can two work together except they be agreed? All right. Five facts about conflict, and then I'll close the service. Number one, conflict originated from Satan. Somebody say conflict originated from Satan. Yeah, don't get too excited about that. Because Satan manifests himself through our carnality. Yeah. Through the sin nature and our carnality for those of us who are born again. So it originates from Satan. Satan is the principal architect for all conflicts. There was no conflict until Satan orchestrated one in heaven. The first place conflict began and gone by extension. When he brought Satan on earth, he said, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, because Satan is here. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 to 12. God dealt with him. And war broke out where? War broke out where? War broke out where? Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Verse 8. But they did not prevail, 
nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Now, do you see that? Did you see God fight with the devil? Do you see God fight with the devil? The Bible says Michael and his angels fought. <laughs> Michael and his angels fought. That's why Romans can tell you, if God be for you, you can go to sleep. Are you with me here? Yeah, he said, if God be for us, who can be? He wasn't a party to the fight. Michael and his angels, they sorted him out. And the Bible said there was no place found for him anymore. Somebody said there was no place found for him. Ooh. Do you know Satan is always looking for a place? There was no place found for him in heaven. And when he was cast down on earth, he has no habitation. When Job and the people of God gathered, Satan appeared. Jesus, God asked him, where are you coming from? He said, from roaming up and down. You remember when Jesus gave a, 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 this number, a demon, when he's cast out, he moves out into dry places, he's seeking a place. And when he doesn't find, he goes back because he has no place. Do you know, let me tell you something. In the book of Ephesians, the Bible said, neither give place to the devil. Conflict come when we give place to the devil. He is the principal architect of conflict. When we give place to the devil, we have given him place. We have, we have allowed conflict. Anytime you see believers who are fighting, whether it's over money, over relationship, over marriage, whatever it is, somebody is giving place to the devil. He's agreeing with the devil. He's sleeping with the devil. He's enjoying the company of the devil. He's hearing counsel from the devil. That's where conflict comes from. No matter how you want to explain it. No matter. Two people. Believers born again. When you say, the Bible says, if two shall agree on it, that we are touching on this, nothing shall stop it. But when we allow Satan to talk into our heads, when we allow Satan to influence our thinking, our values, and we are no longer holding on to godly Christ-like values, then Satan has a place. Satan does not come into your life wearing black dress. I am Satan, like the way uh, Faith Theater will make us believe. No, 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 no. No, no, that's not how he comes. He comes with funny, stupid ideas. He drops them. He drops them into your head. Drops them into your head. Ideas, stupid ideas. One after the other. One after the other. And if you don't deal with it, that's why renewing your mind constantly is a requirement. If you must walk in victory, your mind must constantly be changed. You have to subject your mind to the word of God consistently and continuously. Somebody say it originates from the devil. If you like, go and ask uh, Adam and Eve how sweet their union was until Satan appeared there. When uh, the serpent just had about three minutes chat with Eve, everything changed. People were very, very happy and joined their relationship. After a short time, Adam said, it is her. Eve said, it is the serpent. And war was breaking out. And that's how it's always started. Listen, there is no way marriage challenge you will deal with where you will not have this thing happening. It is her. It is her. It is her. It is him. It is her. It is her. All marriage issues I've ever sat in as a pastor. The man says is the wife. The wife says is the husband. And I say is the devil. I say is the devil. And the devil has been accommodated by both of them. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. He said neither give place to the devil. 
Don't give him place. Don't give him place. How can you, a couple, you are coming to church, your wife is at home. You are giving place to the devil. You are giving place to the devil. How can you, a couple, you attend a church, the word of God is taught, you go home and your wife is sitting by the telly and all the ministers she watches on telly are, excuse me to say, ministers who don't know what they are talking. Ministers who are looking for somebody to blame for their liabilities in life. Pointing, this is a witch, that is a witch. And that is what she feeds on. You come, you are fed with the word of God. When you go, she's fed with trust. And you say, you have a harmonious home. Two cannot work together except they be agreed. How can you have harmony? Why won't Satan has a place when you are married and you can't even agree on where you fellowship? The wife is here. The husband is in one far place. The marriage is already disappointed. You see, you don't marry before you get into it. You get into it before you know. You get into it before you know. Most marriages that will not work, I tell you all the time, those who are very honest, they will come back to say, Pastor, I knew this. I saw this. But people always want to ignore what they see and expect that a supernatural miracle will happen. Listen, it doesn't happen like that. And once this is the plate you've been served with, you have to make sure you deal with it. <laughs> I hear what I'm saying. And I'm just helping you to know how to deal with it. Know how to deal with conflict. There is no conflict-free zone in life. Somebody said there's no conflict-free zone in life. Listen, if you are going to go far in life, your ability to deal with conflict is very, very important. Because among your business associates, there will be conflict. In church, there will be conflict. Everywhere you go, it's not just if between you and your wife. You, you, You are not able to manage it. When you become the boss of, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, calf, and all these guys are doing a looter, you go and hit your head on it, uh, your hand on a desk in a meeting, <laughs> and that is the day you lose your place because we went into the meeting. That's why sometimes when you hear some ministers of state and they talk when they are doing dialogue, trying to solve a problem, some of the statements that comes out. It tells you that these people, they don't know how to do, deal with conflict. So you need to learn it. Understand that conflicts originated from the devil. Number two, conflicts are inevitable in all relationships. Adam and Eve, that's where it started from. Abraham and Sarah, you remember Sarah? And Abraham, how many of you remember? What happened? The wife came and said, I have a good idea. Be careful the ideas your wife says to you. Evaluate them by the word of God. I have a very good idea. This thing that God said, I know how it's going to be done. I think that this girl that God gave us, she's going to be a channel through which this thing will come about. So, okay, go in. That is not something the average woman does. Sarah had a lot of character to be able to do that. But afterwards, she wanted a child by all means, even if that was not the God approved means. So she said, Go into Oga Abraham to <laughs> old man with energy. <laughs> one thing, one shot. Then this girl conceived. After the child came, ah, everything changed. Then the Bible says the, the argument, the, the thing was so messy, it was so bad. Abraham didn't know what to do. Listen, 
Abraham was a friend of God, and yet he had conflict with his wife. <laughs> he was the friend of God. There are a lot of people who make it look like you are, you are out. You are not a Christian. In fact, one time I was talking to somebody, and the person was telling me that the, the husband is not a Christian. He cannot be a Christian. <laughs> I know what the husband was actually a pastor friend of mine. He said he cannot be a Christian. Cannot be a Christian. Why? Because they have a conflict. And if you can see him as a Christian, if you can see the man of God in him and the man in him, it will be a source of conflict. Sarah and Abraham, they had it. Who else again? Cain and Abel. That one was so catastrophic. Siblings. They had conflict to the point that the one picked the thing and said, listen, enough of this rubbish. Bah! And that was the end of Abel. May that not be our testimony. Yeah. Folks at work, you remember the disciples of Jesus? There was a conflict amongst them. They were just walking. They were around Jesus. Around Jesus, who, people who were closely with Christ, they had conflicts. Conflict. Who will be the greatest amongst us? John said, I am. Thomas said, I am. Peter said, shut up. I am the one. Then there was confusion everywhere. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Paul made an appeal to Syntyche and uh, what do you call it? Yodia. He said, appeal to them. Please, because you belong to Christ, settle your desire. Settle your desire. Yeah, so you can have conflict with somebody in the choir. You are all in the choir. It's normal. You don't say, I'm leaving the choir. Why don't you leave your job? Because you have conflict with somebody in the, the job place. Am I communicating here? When you have a kind of approach to conflict, you have challenges in your work and your relationship with people. I like this one. Among leaders, Paul and Barnabas, contentious. Paul said, I'm going this way. He said, uh, John Mark must go with us. He said, no, that guy is not going with me. Paul said, uh, Barnabas said he will go with you. He said, he's not going with me. Say, if you are going to carry him, then go your separate ways. Paul and Barnabas, close guys, they separated. But you know what? Because the conflict was not a permanent one, later on, Paul said, bring John Mark to me. Bring John Mark to me. Bring John Mark to me. Now listen, when you are dealing with permanent conflict, that is a conflict where you come to a place where you write people literally off. I don't want to do, I don't believe that as a Christian, you should have somebody whose phone call you can pick. I don't think it's... I believe it's okay if you don't talk to the person frequently. But not talking to somebody at all. Ah! That one. A day may come, he may be calling you to bring you a blessing. And because your default position is that we don't talk, you miss it. May that not be your testimony. Amen. Let me read the Jerusalem Council and then uh, maybe I'll draw a few things from there. We'll close. This was a very uh, interesting sign. It was long before, give me uh, the Jerusalem Council. Acts 15, verse 1 to 29. It's a long reading, so just spare me a few. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit ECT where we have previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. It was not long before Jews showed up from Judea insisting that everyone be circumcised. Is that not where conflicts really come from? Huh? We, when we insist on stuff, 
instead of communicating, the wife says, hey, no family member of yours is entering this house. I insist. Higher. The day you say, I insist, something in the man begins to boil. Because it's not wired naturally like that. And if the Holy Ghost does not step in, that insistence may be met with a slap. Am I communicating here? Yeah, I'm telling you. Let me tell Can I tell you something? The conflict that you are exposed to are not unique to you. Those are the same things that people whose marriage details you don't know are also faced with. There are certain ground rules that must be in place if you are going to resolve conflict in a very unique way. One of those important rules, <laughs> I'm only getting ahead of myself, is the fact that between me and my wife, nothing separates us. Means the Lord, you get me. Between me and my wife, because what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And then no man can be my mother, it can be uh, my father, it can be anybody between me and my wife. That's it. So we can disagree, but you are not going anywhere. Am I communicating? You are not moving to go and sleep in another room. We disagree. But we must still touch our bodies. Am I communicating here? Yes. I am just showing you what is scriptural. Most of the things we read, we just think that we read them, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Most of it, the asunder put in, you know, is either the husband or the wife. So we, are, we are looking for somebody external to put asunder. By our own action and inaction, we are already putting asunder. What God has joined together, let me tell you, you must also have the wisdom to keep together. Don't just say, let no man put asunder. You must have the wisdom to keep it together. That's why wisdom is a principal thing. The Bible said, with all thy getting, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Please take your seat. Let me just read you through the scripture he said, Paul and Barnabas were up on their feet at once in fierce protest. This is pastors and leaders they had met at a meeting. Fierce protest. The church decided to resolve the matter by sending Paul, Barnabas, and a few others to put it before the apostles and leaders in Jerusalem. They took a decision to resolve it. Conflict would not go by themselves. They have to be resolved. There are people who are avoiders and they are attackers. The attackers are always looking for a fight. The avoiders are always running away from a fight. Either two is not good. If there's a matter, let's put aside the manipulation of crying. Every time you are crying, you are not a baby. That's why you are called a wife. You are not a baby. That's why you are called you are a man. Every time, I mean, occasionally if a matter comes up and you weep, because you are a weaker vessel, we understand. But the woman who is weeping at every matter, particularly when you are at fault, is manipulation. That's demonic. Let's cast it out and deal with the matter. Am I communicating here? It's manipulation. We are not small boys. That's manipulation. That's manipulation. Because you know when you cry, we will not talk about the matter again. And you continue with your foolishness. Not in this house. Am I communicating here? You have to, you have to be ready to confront the matter. After they send them off, and on their way, they told everyone they met as they traveled from that, 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 that. Okay, so let's look at verse 6. The apostles and leaders called a special meeting to consider the matter. They called a special meeting. Gentlemen, when was the last time you took your lady out and you and your wife alone? 
sat somewhere, decent place, and then you began to ask yourself, only today I brought you out. I really want us to look at some of these uh, frequent uh, arguments. I really want us to be able to diagnose it today. I want you to feel relaxed, eat, and finish. And when you are done, I want you to tell me your heart, what you really think. I want to know my role in it. What is my own responsibility as far as this is concerned? And the wife is willing to hear him out and also come out. By the time you finish that lunch, things will be fine. But you fear money, ah, to carry your wife out is a problem. Sometimes some of the things that will solve the problem is just one eat lunch at a tulip. One Chinese restaurant and by the time you come back her mind is sorted for the next one month. Am I communicating here? You are just sitting at home and every time budget, 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 budget you will die with your budget. Am I communicating here? They come for a special meeting to look at it. Conflict will not go away by just ignoring them. When you ignore conflict, they actually magnify. They magnify. And women bottle up stuff. They are good keepers. They will keep, multiply, and give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. <laughs> That's who they are. That's who they are. That's why if you're a man, don't insult your wife. Because if you do, <laughs> And she's one of those who was raised from that side. That Zongo area. Hi, yeah. The kind of things you will hear. <laughs> it will take you one year to process them. And two years to be able to forgive. Five years to forget. It's not going to be easy. Can we talk about a matter we disagree without insulting? Because you really, it's not the... The problem is not the matter at hand. The problem is the insult. The problem is the insult. It's the insult. You see, by the time you are dealing with the matter, you issue one, two, three. The man immediately, his mind goes off. Is it me she's addressing like this? The ego in him comes alive. And if He's still on his throne and Christ is not on his throne. <laughs> I am crucified with Christ. Do you know your ego can be affected? Your husband, your wife can make your ego feel like nothing. And you feel like today, today you are going. But you remember, I'm crucified with Christ. Yet I live, not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That day! You are becoming a Christian. Not Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. That is the first step. That's the first step. The Bible says, if your enemies love you on this one, turn that one. Am I communicating here? He didn't say your wife. Oh. Your enemy. I mean, someone who wants to kill you. I, I think your wife may have a problem with you, but it has not gotten to the point of wanting to kill you. I realize that some men can take stuff, some hard, dirty, and nasty stuff from their colleague men outside. But they can't simply stand it from their wives. Yourself and your nature and your flesh is too alive. Your ego is too alive. 
your ego is too alive. If you are going to be promoted, <laughs> you have to kill every sense of ego. Woman, you need to know how to respect. You see, your decision must be this. I have a commitment and an instruction from Christ to love my wife. That I do that because I honor Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I do that because I honor Christ. Not because my wife respects me in, by way of reciprocity. So that's the first place. I'm respecting and loving my wife because I'm obeying Christ. When she now reciprocated by respecting me, it increases it. Are you getting what I'm talking about? It makes it easier. But whether she does it or not, because of my commitment to Christ, I'm able to do that. Am I communicating here? But a lot of us, our love is based on the respect. And if the respect is not there, ah, yeah, yeah. you do me, I do you. You are not living like a Christian. I pray that the Lord help us. Welcome to part one. I did not intend to go how far I have come at all. I did not. I did not. I did not. I did not. Today too, I am behind. And we'll keep it like that. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've been blessed. If we are Christians, our relationship must show it. Are you with me here? If you are Christians, our relationship must show it. And if the things I have said this morning are very hard for you, it is because Christianity is a hard life. <laughs> Somebody say Christianity is hard. Yeah, it's not easy. Last week, I was sharing with Pastor James when we closed and some others here around 4 p.m. Christianity is not for faint-hearted people. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy lady, and I will give you rest. He said, I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke. If you give me rest, why yoke? Why yoke? Why yoke? We have come longing for rest. We don't want the yoke. Listen. <laughs> If you are going to enjoy the rest of Christ, you must take the yoke of Christ. Are you with me here? If you will ever enjoy the rest of Christ, take the yoke of Christ. Take the yoke of Christ. Nobody loses in life bearing the yoke of Christ. Listen, when you disobey Christ, you seem to be winning now, but ultimately you lose. I said you seem to be what? But ultimately, you will lose. Because that's not how you are wired to live your life. May the Lord help us. Amen. Lift up your hands and ask for grace. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We we'll look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed.
Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.